We're about to jump into another friend interrogation episode, our third Scooby Dudes Q&A. Let me kick off this intro with a question for you, Evan. What is uh, your yeah? sclera color? Oh shoot, what color are my sclera? Uh Yeah, man. Hey, have I have I been drinking the night before or am I right now? <laughs> well, you were very hungover when we started recording and you have a bottle of Jack in your hand. I don't like the fact that some of these intros are painting me as some sort of like problem drinker (laughs) this has been two episodes in a row now (laughs) yeah no it hasn't been there's been a gap it just feels it feels short it feels condensed oh yeah it's been a gap since we've mentioned it but it's been an unbroken chain since our first episode that you've been drinking and hung over every time we record (laughs) you've done such a phenomenal job editing out all of the retching and the vomiting all of the rick and morty style burps that you're doing constantly uh To all of our new listeners, Mm. this is Scooby Dudes. This is a podcast where, completely sober, Luke and I, um, we we discuss our favorite meddling kids. And their dumb dog, too, named Scooby-Doo. That's Evan. I'm Luke. And we are here to talk to you about Scooby-Doo in the most sober fashion we can, regardless of how much we've drunk before recording. Not at all. I don't think we've done any recording drunk, actually. Uh, good on us. We've never, we've talked about it. Yeah. We've talked about doing like a drinking game and recording at the same time. Never came, never came to pass. We, we might eventually, you know, we've got a lot of Scooby-Doo yet ahead of us. And we're going to have to keep it interesting. For this episode, we're not covering a specific episode of Scooby-Doo. We're answering your Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Dude related questions. It's a Q&A. And, and most exciting, I think, for us, and I think for a lot of our listeners, Luke and I, we are both doing another fan cast. Oh, I love our fan cast episodes. We're talking about who we would want to cast in a live-action Scooby-Doo movie. You might recall we've done this before, and we're doing it this time with a twist. Yeah, just like how I enjoy my alcoholic beverages. <laughs> oh! <So. laughs> and just like how I enjoy drinking while playing Twister as Twister the movie plays in the background. As I dance, twist and shout, uh, the, causing um, me to lose play, Twister play every theme, time. Play the theme song. <laughs> Two dudes okay, talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. Welcome, dear listeners, citizens of Friend Terrig Nation. Let's see your passports before you can be permitted. Welcome, welcome in. So, Luke, I'm wondering, this this Friend Terrig Nation, is it is it like a mm. democratic republic? Is it a monarchy? Who are we? Who are uh, you and I? Te- technically, it's a democracy, but um, not all votes are equal. It's so thoroughly gerrymandered that some votes matter way more than other votes. That's why in this Friend Terrig Nation... Um, a couple of people have all of the questions, and a few people have none of them. I, so it's technically a democracy. Really, it's I, I'm not sure what to call it. I like to think of it as a as a biumvirate, mm. where where you and I were the lords of this land. Yeah, biumvirate. Man, if I I sure know what a biumvirate is too. A uh, a biumvirate. Shoot! <laughs> Come on, Google. <laughs> Screwing me here. Uh, but but as you said, um, we do have questions for this Q and A episode. Hmm. Unfortunately, it is um, we have a number of questions from a smaller sample of people, and that is my fault. Um, I forgot that we were doing this episode uh, 
Q&A style. I forgot that we weren't covering anything specific, so I, I didn't put out the call for questions until far too late. I think it's nobody's fault, really. If anything, it's our listeners' fault. Listeners, F you. Man, you guys suck. Thanks a lot for nothing, listeners. No, 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 hold on. Um, listeners, please understand, for Luke, F you means friends understand. F you. Friends understand, listeners. And since you're our friends, I'm sure you get where we're coming from for this. Things get busy. We didn't get the questions out early. But we do have some great questions. Um, I would mention, if you didn't uh, get a chance to get a question in because we had such short notice this time, ask us a question anytime. We'll put it in the tank for next time. You can always ask, and we're going to save those questions. Yeah. Like, two things. A, ask us a question anytime. B, ask us a question about literally anything. I keep saying this. It doesn't have to be Scooby-Doo related. Evan has been telling me for weeks he's sick of Scooby-Doo. He actually hates Scooby-Doo at this point. Okay, people are going to take you seriously. (laughs) Evan doesn't want to talk about Scooby-Doo anymore. He wants to talk about himself. Several times we've been recording an episode, Evan, and instead of saying Scooby, you just say me. You just, like, describe yourself in the episode as if it was you rather than one of the characters. How would that not have made the episode better? <laughs> You're right, it would have. We should, we should do that sometime. I really want to get into these questions. Do you have them lined up in order? Anything you want to dive into first? Or anything we need to preface these questions with? Yeah, we do have... Um, for, for listeners who know the title of this episode... We are doing another fan cast, mm. um, but whereas last time we started with the fan cast, this time we're leaving that juicy main course for the end. Yes, we're going to roll out some appetizers here just to whet your appetite, and then later on we've got another fabulous fan cast, a very interesting suggestion for that. Um, I'm excited to share with Evan what I have, and in the mean, leading up to that we've got some questions apparently related to Scooby-Doo, nothing related to me and Evan. If you want to get to know us better... Ask questions next time. Okay, so there are some questions here that assume that you and I have an encyclopedic knowledge of Scooby-Doo. Uh, we will get to those when we get to those. <laughs> when really, we just have computers right. and internet connections. As do our listeners. That's the one thing we know these people have. I mean, t- to be fair, some of them do ask our opinions, but, are, but like again, mm. you have not seen every episode of Scooby-Doo. I have also not seen every episode of Scooby-Doo. No. Um, no. I'm more passionate than I am well-watched when it comes to Scooby-Doo. But we will start with Twitter. And our first question uh, comes from Carl. That's at Killa Carl. King of Ducks. King of The King of the Ducks. <laughs> um, Carl asks, uh, and this is honestly a pretty straightforward question uh, hmm. and a, a, a good one. It's, how do you guys pick which episodes you are going to cover? It varies a little. I mean, uh, partly we've got a rotation, right? We want to hit an old episode every now... Yeah, we want to cycle old and new. Yeah, sometimes the rotation, sometimes we use, like, uh, one of those um, bingo where the the balls pop up. We have a a Ouija board. (laughs) We have a... uh, We have two slugs that we race. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, it is... There's a rotation of different ways that we choose our episodes. Yeah, we've got a, a lot of different methods, and, uh, and we do have a couple of rules that we try and stick to. For instance, if it's a narrative series, we try and do one episode in ta- at a time in order, like with Mystery Incorporated. We'll return to that every now and again to move the plot along. Uh, we always try and return to Where Are You, Scooby-Doo, at least every third episode. Um, yeah, Scooby-Doo, Where and, Are You is so classic. Yeah. 
that for every because we do them in blocks right like we'll block off like four episodes at a time and scooby-doo where are you must always have a presence in that block of episodes at least one of them and then we'll probably try and throw another old one in there like something from the scooby and scrappy doo show um something like that beyond that i think we just browse wikipedia look at titles and imagine what kind of episode that we're in for yeah all, all we're trying to do is just provide a really good mix and it's i think it's pretty common knowledge for people who listen to other scooby-doo podcasts that these other scooby-doo podcasts suck okay man okay so, <laughs> i'm sorry, sorry what were you gonna for say? our listeners when luke says suck suck stands for um, oh man super uh upbeat cool kids yeah these Man, other these man, other, these other podcasts, super upbeat cool kids. Uh, me, I don't super upbeat cool kid. Uh, Thanks for trying to save me, man. No, I I, I think it. we did okay there. Um, they run in a chronological fashion. They start from the first episode, uh, What a Night for a Night. They're moving on from there. We also started from that place, but we just want to get a good cross section. It, it would have been an incredible experience to be watching Scooby-Doo as it was coming out in order and to see everything progress, but we're almost everybody who's listening to this podcast has started Scooby-Doo long after it began. So we want to have kind of a retrospective, uh, kind of bring us up to speak on the long, wide range of Scooby-Doo that's already been out there. I, I think that's the real value, is, uh, is the spread that Scooby-Doo has covered. Yep. So I hope that answers your question, Carl. Mm-hmm. Um, our next question comes from uh, a new follower on Twitter. Um, his name is Reed Moody. He's at Scooby Saves. Uh, and this is, I think, one that assumes that we have, again, this sort of like encyclo- encyclopedic, like complete knowledge. Uh, we'll answer it as best that we can. Okay. The question is, what is the most realistically dangerous villain the gang has taken down, and why is it the most dangerous? Well, let's, I'd say let's start by considering only villains that we've seen so far in our podcast, ones that we've covered. Who would you say has been the most dangerous, real, realistically dangerous villain that we've seen yet? I mean, the episode before last featured the Jaguaro, which was easily like eight feet tall, mm. and who sort of co-starred as the villain alongside these head-hunting natives. The head headhunting natives natives weren't even the villains. I will unequivocally say that they were the scariest antagonistic force we've seen yet, but they were almost like obstacles. Uh, almost like hazards. They weren't the villain, but they were a danger. And and they were easily the most dangerous I think we've seen yet. Would you like me to go through all of the villains that we've covered so far? Oh, would you? Let's let's break it down one by one. We'll say yes, no, nope, nope, not even close. Yes, maybe. Let's get uh, it. So what a night for a night. There was the Black Knight. Eh, not really. Uh, make a beeline away from that feline had the cat creature. The cat creature tried to strangle Scooby. Pretty scary. Yeah. That's up I, there. Ranks pretty high for me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, a Night of Fright is No Delight had those two phantoms. Eh, not, not strongly, in my opinion. To all the ghouls I've loved before had a village of werewolves. A village of, yeah, unrepentant werewolves, who at, at first tried to get everyone to flee, and then was like, nah, actually, we want to keep and eat you. So maybe that's the scariest we've seen so far. That's been going into supernatural territory. What's next? Scooby-Dude, of a pup named Scooby-Doo, had uh, the headless skateboarder. A.K.A. a druggy skateboarder. Blech. I'm, 
yeah, technically speaking, sorry, spoilers, go back and listen to our episode 5. It's a great episode. Oh, it is. Um, the real villain of that, uh, of that episode was a, was a drug smuggler slash addict. Yeah, and, and a corrupt, uh, a corrupt officer as well. So, so I don't know if you, if you want to say the overall corrupt system and drug pushing cartels, I I'm not sure. What's next? Uh, Scooby-Doo Halloween of What's New Scooby-Doo had, like, these, uh, scarecrow robots, um, Mm. and then, like, a hologram, a projected hologram of a ghost that had, like, almost no screen time. Yeah, and the projected hologram is patently harmless. Uh, not that one, I don't think. Not great. Uh, I mean, like, the the robots are, like, menacing, because they had, like, pitchfork hands and stuff, Mm. but, uh, the fall dog had a little gremlin... Uh, and the Scooby Coop had that guy who controlled the car. The specter of, the sports, specter cars. of sports cars. Catchy. Um, so what's after that double episode? Um, sorry, let me try to get through this. I'm going to try to get through this faster. And then you just will just do quick yay or nays. Mm-hmm. Um, the Scarab Lives was the Blue Scarab. N- n- no, not very scary. No. Uh, Shags to Riches had like two bumbling henchmen and like a mad <laughs> scientist. Absolutely not. Terrible. <laughs> The antithesis of scary. Uh, Jeepers, it's the creeper had the creeper. Yeah, not really. But where the beast from below had that like slime monster, the radioactive-looking one. Uh, pretty scary, but we've seen scary already. Yeah. Um, the warlock of Wimbledon had the warlock of Zadgraz. <laughs> Zadgraz sounds like it's something else backwards, but it's not. Uh, n- so no, I'm gonna say no to that one. Uh, the ghostly creep from the deep had those ghost pirates it's i i want to say they're scary but they're not not to me and also the the gang fought them like actively like brawled with them yeah and and won so definitely not those pirates the fast and the wormiest had a death worm Ooh, that one that one was very scary uh okay i feel like this might just take it waiting for the end of the world which is scooby apocalypse issue number one had monsters that killed and ate people it's true. We didn't really see much of it, but we saw a bit of it. And, like, at the very end. So that... There's a lot of, like, implied violence. Yeah. Yeah. And we never even quite saw the villains of that one, unless we were really suspecting Dinkley. It's it's, an, it's kind of interesting. It's a comic, rather than a cartoon, but it's still an entry. Maybe that one, I'm going to uh, say. I Left My Neck in San Francisco had the vampire of the bay, who they thought was Daphne. Not not too scary to me, I'm going to say. Uh, Scubra Cadubra had um that uh uh that not a warlock but like a sorcerer or something yeah um whatever his name was Mm, pretty scary not uh not as scary as some again some of the stuff we've covered already uh mystery 101 had ghost of elias ghost of elias uh, yeah elias kingston um not very scary love that episode though mystery masked masked we've been saying it wrong this whole time masked mystery Oh, shoot. Mystery Mask Mix-Up, right? I wrote it down wrong here. It's Mystery Mask Mix-Up. Um, had, like, the the Scare Pair and the Warlord But the Zen real villain was systemic racism. And that is the scariest That's there exactly is. exactly right. A Bicycle Built for Boo had that monster that stole that bike. No. <laughs> I'm afraid not. The creature came from Chem Lab, and then the Masked Minx. Hmm. 
I'm gonna throw out Masked Manx because I don't think the villagers count as the villain, or the headhunters do. Um, that's just like a little bit of extra racist flair. No, no the Masked you... Manx was the, uh, he was in a gorilla costume at yeah. the costume party. Oh, excuse me. Oh no, yeah, I'm mixing that up with uh, Jeepers, It's the Jaguaro. Um, but Masked Manx, no, I don't think that was terribly scary because it was the Manx and the, and uh, yeah, creature from the chem lab. The creeping creatures had the gator people. Mm, yeah, you're right. Well, I've given you my opinion on these blow by blow. What do you think, looking back at all these? Who's the, who's the scariest? I think probably, I would say, if only because, if only because um, Scooby-Doo Apocalypse doesn't really show the monsters as the outright villains, at least in that first issue, it would be the village of werewolves in The Thirteen Ghosts, uh, number one. I agree. I think that's the scariest if we're allowing for Supernatural. If we're going classic Scooby-Doo villains, um, the Fast and the Wormiest. I think is the scariest uh, giant beast. Oh, well, because because the Fast and the Wormiest crushes like a gas station. Oh yeah, the Fast and the Wormiest kills a gas station attendant. So so actually, Reed Moody says the most realistically dangerous villain. Then yeah, that would be it. Yeah, although I, again, personally, I think the werewolves are by far the scariest, especially because Daphne becomes one of them before our very eyes transforms. Um, so it's a good question, uh, taking us a little bit to get through it. But I like that. So, Reed, uh, hope that hope you're satisfied with that. If you want to go listen to that episode about the worm, that is our episode 14, The Fast and the Wormies. Here's, here's another that, again, assumes uh, complete knowledge. Um, it's, it's asked by our friend Michael, but he is using his Twitter handle, uh, Meddlers Inc. That's at Meddlers Inc., and it's his Scooby-Doo podcast. We actually inspired one of our listeners and fans to start their own podcast, um, and it... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I think I'm. I think I'm proud of that. Yeah, I think the dream of every podcast is that you'll inspire other people to take listeners away from you, and that's. Uh, I hope that we've achieved that. <laughs> no, Michael. Uh, Michael knows more about Scooby Doo, I think, than either of us do. So, then the two of us combined, yeah, I would say. I agree on that. Um, and he's great. Um, and he was actually asked a question on his podcast that he then uh, posed to us, uh, and it's. Which villain do you consider the greatest in Scooby-Doo history? Well, again, I feel like my, my knowledge of Scooby-Doo is not expansive enough to go beyond the episodes that we've covered already on this podcast. So I think we should stay within there. What do you think? I think I have an answer. Okay, well, please, what's your answer? Because I don't have something off the top of my head. Um, I think it's Scrappy-Doo. <laughs> I mean, this could be a spoiler for something that we haven't it's, yet released. Yeah, it could, it could be a spoiler. But I think in general, Scrappy-Doo... Uh, his presence sidelines other members of Mystery Inc. Yeah. And I think just in that alone, that makes him a great villain. At, at least the most terrible villain. Ter- like, terror. Um, yeah. He he sidelines and he endangers the gang more than anyone else. <laughs> He's, you said he sidelines and he endangers, and it made me think uh. of that meme, uh, he protect, but he also attack. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I yeah I agree. Scrappy Doo, is the was the question the greatest villain? Uh, the greatest villain in Scooby Doo history. No question, Scrappy Doo. Yeah, that's that's our answer. So that uh, that comes is a that's the end of our Twitter uh, questions for for better or for worse. Um, Thanks, tweeters. Yeah, uh, we now turn to Facebook, uh, where we have a number of questions from two of our friends. <laughs> do you have okay? Do you have the Scooby Doo wiki open? I do now. 
Okay, I want to be kind and gracious to all of our listeners. They listen to our podcast. They are our personal friends, some of them. But I will say that this question, what we're going to do right now... Is roast our listeners who care enough to ask us questions? <laughs> I'm not complaining. I want to do it. <laughs> let's, let's just be clear on what we're doing. So this question is from Hannah Roberts. It's one of several. And it's, are there any Scooby renditions where there's a female dog in the plot? Oh, yeah. There's lots. I mean, Scooby, if you look at Scooby's family... No, 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 stop. (laughs) You've answered the question. (laughs) Yes, next question. (laughs) I mean, Scooby has a huge family. Um, So we'll see, like, Scooby Dumb, a dumb Scooby cousin. I can't remember the name of Scooby's hot Hollywood cousin. I'm pretty sure it's Scooby D. Scooby D, yeah, I think you're right. Um, There's Scooby's uh, British princess cousin, uh, Scooby Die. Princess Diana. Yes, I, I'm aware. Asked and answered, I guess. <laughs> here's here's a really good question. Um, because she asked five, and I'm I'm gonna choose three. Here's a really really solid question from her, and it's what are the components that make for a great Scooby Doo monster? Hmm, I like that. We've we've talked around that quite a few times. Um, for one thing, one thing you've said is that this monster should not talk. At least not words, like, eloquently. It should be noises or monster growls and stuff like that, right? Yeah, that's, that's long been my stance. And, and there are circumstances where I think the monster talking makes it, can make it funnier. But across the board, I like to think of these as, them not talking makes them more inhuman. Yeah, every now and again there's a really great moment of, We will build a new storeroom! But most <laughs> of the time, most of the time, I just want to see the monster going along with the scooby Doop and going, kind of, Yeah, like, being human within the monster's character is, uh, is really funny. Um, on a similar note, I think that the monster needs to not speak because it makes him inhuman, or her, or it. Uh, but I also think the monster needs to be human-shaped. So you don't want to see, like, a snake monster that's perhaps a person with their arms at their sides slithering around <laughs> in a giant tube sock. Yeah, just because this, like, the Scooby-Doop necessitates, I think, that the monster can be, like, is like an approximation of a human being. Ah, uh, I... Because we're talking classic, right? Or, or sorry, she said great. A great Scooby-Doo monster. And for me, a great Scooby-Doo monster has the potential of being a man or woman in a suit. Yes, I think Scooby-Doo monsters that I enjoyed, but I didn't feel like were could be defined as great Scooby-Doo monsters, would be the fast and the wormiest worm, because there's no like speculating as to who might be in there. I guess there's that's still a good episode. But like that, or the reptilian one we saw at the motel in the bayou not too long ago. Which had, like, two inhuman... The creatures were too, like, reptilian and had animal qualities that made it very difficult to see a human within there. Yeah, I think, I think, you, I think you walk a very fine line. But yeah, you're, you're going more for, uh, for... You want them to have some, like, humanity to them while also being distinctly inhuman. I think, I think that's what makes a great Scooby-Doo monster. I agree, and I think part of what plays into that is the fact that we want... Uh, we want to see the human within the suit. That's an assumption we have going into this. And some Scooby-Doo series have played with that. Is this really a human? Is this supernatural? I, I adhere to the classic formula. That's my favorite. And so that's what a great Scooby-Doo villain will be. And this is the last question from Hannah. And Hannah, thank you, thank you so much for asking so many. Thanks a bunch, Hannah. We really appreciate it.
you're great maybe we'll answer some of these in future episodes uh but yeah thank you very much um the last of hannah's questions is would you draw a direct connection Mm -hmm. between daphne's hair color and her role on the team as a sort of femme fatale First of all. Yeah, okay. I think you're going to say the same thing I was going to say. Please take it away. So Daphne's redheaded, let's say that from the start. Is she a femme fatale? I do not believe so. That's an, an assumption that we're making here that I don't know if I've bought into just yet. What is a femme fatale? Can we get, let me get uh, the Wikipedia definition up and pull up the sclera color of a femme fatale. <laughs> Wikipedia in one tab, the Scooby-Doo Wikia in the other. So a femme fatale is a stock character of a, myster- of a mysterious and seductive woman whose charms ensnare her lovers, often leading them into compromising or dangerous situations. Daphne is certainly the like the hot one. But the femme fatale is a very particular kind of hot female character. But and and Daphne has never been so so attractive that other characters are like picking up on it. It's it's not even that. It's that I don't think she's using her her attractiveness that way um it's the show's credit that they never say oh we've got a conventionally attractive character here that's her tool that she's using like as like velma's got her smarts daphne has her looks i'm i like that the show never does that and so i don't think we see daphne being a femme fatale even in the scooby-doo movie which we haven't uh, we haven't released yet that's not something that plays out um are femme fatales typically red-haired as well <laughs> i'm sorry Hannah, but i don't agree with any part of this question I don't like I don't even think so. I think I think that I think that being redheaded in like narratives like in fiction if you're redheaded you're like, you know, fiery and like That's the more common obvious parallel I've seen. It has to do with like different and energy and uh, being energetic. You you certainly like stand out more if you have red hair and having like a strong personality. I think brunette or yeah, like dark hair is more the femme fatale thing. Maybe that's partly because femme fatale is something I think of as a very noir um, character. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, still an interesting question, and I, I'm interested in Daphne's role. I mean, especially in Be Cool Scooby-Doo, we talk a lot about her role and how the, the series influences and, and uh, plays with that. But I don't, I don't see Daphne as a femme fatale. Maybe, so is there a male version of the femme fatale? The um... Men fatale? Uh, the om, I don't know, frick, I'm, that's like the extent of my French. I know that om is the opposite of f- femme. The om fatale. The masculine muerte. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, I guess you would have to go, you would have to go, um, if you could go, you could go Spanish. I guess, I don't know. Um, well, good, thank you for those questions, Hannah. Again, I think it sounds like we're going to save your other ones for another time, just so we can give other people a little time in the spotlight. Uh, what's up next? So we are actually, again, we, we didn't have that many questions this week, uh, which will make for a nice short episode. And it'll give us time to get deep into our, uh, our meaty question of the day. Which, honestly, I, I actually do want to devote a lot of time to. So let me um, breeze through this final question. Gordon uh, mm. asked us a couple of questions and actually prompted our final main course one. I'm sorry, I gotta, I gotta say, Gordon asked great questions. They're really good. And he... <laughs> I mean, this is a, one's a little bit of a joke. This is also via Facebook, our Facebook page. Hmm. Um, and it's, if you had to kill off any one Scooby-Doo character, how would you kill Scrappy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, I think it would definitely be... I mean, Scrappy puts himself in so many dangerous situations. There's no shortage of opportunities to kill Scrappy. The big thing, the reason that Scrappy dies is that at one point, Scooby just goes to... lurches to save him and kind of stops. Like, stops himself, or Shaggy puts, like, a hand on Scooby's shoulder and just, like, looks at him and shakes his head. Not today, Scoob. And then Scrappy dies. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna nix the clearly jokey part of Gordon's question, and I will pose to you and myself just straight up: you have to one member of Mystery Inc. proper, the f- five of them. If one of them had to die, who would it be? Fred. Really? It pains me to say it because I think we all know Fred is my favorite. I love 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 Fred, but. Because he's the emotional heart, not the emotional heart, actually, that's Scooby and Scrappy, but because he's, like, the leader, he's, like, the core, he's the rock that everything's built on, taking him out will create this um, this vacuum, vacuum, yes, that would be fascinating to see filled, as the other three who are always in the back seat, none of them ever in the driver's seat, have to then work together to create this more democratic group. This is This is, like, horrifying for me to consider and propose, but... I want to say Scooby. Scooby? Wow, I thought of that too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that one's terrible because, like, it's the right answer. It's a dog. <laughs> Rather than one of the people. But it feels like the wrongest answer. It feels like anyone but the animal. Um, if you kill, if you kill Scooby, you, it, it goes from Mystery Inc. to being, like, I want to say almost like an indie movie with like four young men and women who are just like trying to cope with their grief you know they like i I think it mm -hmm. they're like driving back to like coolsville like the town that they haven't been back since their like jet setting adventures they're like moving back into like their old like high school bedrooms it's just it's a very somber uh reflective uh mystery ink it's uh, you wouldn't call it scooby-doo anymore I see it going a different direction. I see it John Wick with an ensemble cast with four Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I think that's what we're in for. And frankly, actually, I love that. I don't want to see these guys go rampaging because somebody took down Scooby. They, they, they basically become, it's like, it's like, what if instead of Mystery Inc., it was the Punisher? And so a monster is like terrorizing this museum and the Punisher comes out and just like, uh, blast them with a 10 gauge and they're like there was a person inside and he's like don't commit crimes <laughs> I I could see again I think Fred I think is my best choice because I think it would do something fascinating to the group dynamic and anyone dying makes it a more serious show and I think Fred dying makes it serious in the most interesting way that said Scooby would also be uh, that's the most that's the deepest gut punch, I think. Really, really the omission of any of the characters makes this, hor- like, horrifically tragic. I mean, if you omit Velma, or... Actually, I think the second saddest one after after Scooby's definitely Shaggy. I think so, too. Um, is it sexist that we don't care enough to kill off the women? Well... <laughs> I don't know. If, if you take away Velma, then... You've lost the brains. You've lost the brains. And it, but it's like who is Velma like interacting the most with, right? Mm. I think that's the thing. As as much as I hate to say it, Velma might be the most disposable character. I think in terms of relationships, when yes. you when you compare her to everyone else, I agree. 
I think, and Daphne, I think, in terms of presence in the show, is the most disposable character in terms of input. Um, that's accepting Be Cool Scooby-Doo, which, again, revolutionizes Daphne as a character. Um, so it's almost not worth killing Daphne? Ugh. I mean, like, you take away Daphne, and all of a sudden Fred is like, oh, who do I split up with now? <laughs> yeah, uh, Velma, Shaggy, and Scooby, you guys go check that place out. I'm going to text the waitress from the malt shop earlier and see if she wants to <laughs> go check out this area with me. It makes Fred heartbreakingly sad. Whereas Fred, I think Fred dying makes ev knits everyone else closer together. And that's the effect I want to see from someone that, dying. Yeah, it's, there's, there's, there's almost like a hopefulness to it. Like, like this is a great loss, yeah. but we can and will press on and we'll actually become stronger as a result. That, that movie begins after Freddy has already died um, with the group knitting together and there's intermittent flashbacks to Fred being in the group and the group now growing and moving forward from there. There's a flashback to Fred <laughs> talking about how like when we graduate high school <laughs> we're all going to live in a big house together. I imagine like at the funeral it's everyone like sharing these memories of Fred and it's like Fred, like, helping someone up after they fall, and, like, Fred giving somebody a hand, Fred being a great friend, Fred saying something kind of dumb, Fred saying something really dumb, and then everybody just kind of looking around, like, Fred was really dumb. Yeah, I miss him too, though. Man, that is the most heartbreaking flashback to have for Fred, is his imagination of what's going to come next. That was heartbreaking, even though he didn't die in that episode. Actually, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, great question. That brings us to the last of sort of our, our appetizer questions. Um, this final question was also posed was by Gordon. Unfortunately, it was such a long time ago that I can't find the exact way it was phrased. Um, mm -hmm. But he basically asked us to, to cast the gang again, because we did this uh, uh, quite a while back. Um, we did a Scooby-Doo live-action fan cast. Who would we cast as each member of the gang in a live-action movie? And you and I both provided our casts. Uh, what Gordon wanted to know about or, or see us do is do the same thing, but uh, but under Rule 63. Is I mean, that's a, that's a genius idea. I've it, it took me a long time, but I did come up with 63 rules for fan-casting Scooby-Doo, and I'm, uh, I'm ready to share them with you any time, Evan. Oh, you know what? Yeah. Please do. Okay, uh, r rule number one. <laughs> um, F Freddy must always be the best looking in the group. Uh, r rule number two. Um, Shaggy has to be tall and skinny. Whoever plays Shaggy must be tall and skinny. Or at least not short or plump. Um, rule number, number three. Uh, whoever voice acts as Scooby-Doo can't do their regular voice. They have to... Okay, shoot, dude. <laughs> I don't want to do any more rules than this. No, that's not what Rule 63 is. What is Rule 63, Evan? Um, rule 63, to put it in the simplest possible terms, is all of the genders are reversed. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were talking about this not too long ago. Uh, we both love the Adventure Time version of this. If you've watched Adventure Time with Finn and Jake, you know that there are episodes that flip the script and have Adventure Time with Fiona and Cake, where it's... The same, but they're different genders. The boys are girls, the girls are boys. Instead of Princess Bubblegum, it's Prince Bubblegum. Instead of Marceline, the Vampire Queen, it's Marsha Lee, uh, Ice mm -hmm. Queen instead of the Ice King. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, and it really changes up the dynamics. Uh, but as you said, we, we talked about this just last night, even though the characters, a lot of them are so fundamentally changed, they still feel true to 
the character, the originals. Yeah, and as as I said to you last night, I think uh, Rule sixty three kind of swap ups are very egalitarian because it fundamentally shows that even if the genders were all different, everything would work the same. We had the same dynamic. These these people are more than their sex. Um, that's to me a fundamental principle of Rule sixty three. And uh, I, th I think it's a great question. We really loved doing the fan cast last time. And uh, doing it with such a fresh new spin this time was a, a great challenge. I do have uh, some people ready to share whenever we're ready. How do you want to go through this? Uh, do you remember how we did it last time? Did we do one character a piece back and forth? Yeah, I think we did. Then, then yeah, let's do that. All right, so um, I think Fred was the toughest one for both of us, probably. Um, let's start with, are you okay starting with Fred? I'm okay starting with Fred, and and we'll do you first, me first, me first, you first, just so we'll like yeah we'll, we'll, we'll go back and forth it. so we each have some primacy. All right, um, for Fred, my choice for this one. I, overall, I gotta say, I little disclaimer for you folks, I have I'm coming to terms with some inbuilt sexism with myself in that I've realized I have a lot more male actors ready at my ready at hand to plug into fan cast than I do female actors. Um, or actresses, as sometimes they're called. So I, I have to apologize for that. Someone, the person that I cast for Fred, I had previously used in a fan cast for Daphne. But now, um, for Fred, I have Ellie Kemper. Oh, okay. I, I, I want to hear your explanation. I will admit to our listeners and to you that that passed through my mind. It's, um, again, I, I feel like I'm playing with a limited deck of female uh, actors, and that's on me. Uh, that said, I think Ellie Kemper is a great choice for Fred. Who is Fred fundamentally? Well, he's a good-looking, um, well-meaning, very friendly guy who everyone loves, even though he's kind of silly and he's a little bit dense. Um, and I don't know, I don't think there's a lot of characters like that for females out there. What do you think? Is that, I feel like that's something that there's a lot of dudes like that in movies and TV shows. There aren't a lot of females that are almost like airheaded, but in a way that you love, in a way that we're supposed to appreciate. Okay, the my, the person I cast, I think fits that to a T. Okay, because I think, I think that's Ellie Kemper, not so much in the airheaded regard, but in like the purely upbeat, always happy, people would follow you. I, I think Fred has a good-hearted earnestness to him. Earnestness, yes, that's the word. And, and I, that's why I did think about Ellie Kemper, because I feel like she, she really exudes that quality. I agree. Um, but so, so that's my thought. Ellie Kemper, oh, and that's the star of Unbreakable, uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Um, she was in The Office as Erin. And, uh, of course, she was in a Derek comedy sketch at one point. Um, so that's my Fred. Who's your Fred, Evan? Um, hold on. Oh. Uh, is, is, your, is your Fred analog's name Fred? Oh, analog names. I, thought, I put a little thought into this, but I forgot. I think Fran, maybe? Fran is also what I went with. I think it makes the most sense. Yeah. It's a, it doesn't sound as generic as, like, blank white slate as Fred does. It's a little it's a little bit more niche. But I think Fran is very close. So, um, have you ever watched the show Happy Endings? I have. It, it ran for three seasons. Um, and my Fred is uh, Alicia Cuthbert. Ooh. Interesting choice. So, uh, Alicia Cuthbert is white, blonde... Uh, attractive, but the character that she plays on Happy Endings, I believe it's Alex, is she plays this really, like, positive, like, upbeat, and, like, honestly, like, kind of dumb character, 
but it never feels misogynistic. You know, you know how like there's some characters where like the women are dumb, and you're just like, oh, the person who wrote this like hates women. Yeah. Um, she plays like such a pure character, um, and I like I honestly think she would kill it as Fred, or Fran rather. Sorry. You know what? I could see that, and I had forgotten her because I, when I think of happy endings, I mostly think of Adam Pally. Um, he's the one that really stuck with me. No, I think she'd be good. And you know, my one regret was that I couldn't think of someone who, um, who Fred's features translated into his physical features because you want someone with kind of like a strong jaw and like mm-hmm. strong features and uh I, I think alicia cuthbert has that i feel like her jaw is like pretty good she has like a nice jaw yeah and i don't mean that in like oh she's mannish no, no i think it's very attractive on a uh, on a female like a, a nice strong jaw big old adam's apple like broad shoulders that's attractive on a woman um, so that's those are our Freds. I do consider I really... a lot of those qualities attractive on a woman. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. What? <laughs> anyway, we're not going to talk about what I am into. Um, so that's Fran. We've we've covered Fran. Um, now we have. Uh, what do you think, Daphne or Velma? I, I would say Daphne. I have it, Fred, okay. Daphne, Velma, Shaggy. Um, so Daphne, take it away. So yeah, I'm up. Um, Daphne or Devin in this case. I, I've. That's the name that I chose to go with. So I think, I, th- I think one thing about Devin, similar to like Hannah's question about like the femme fatale or whatever, Devin has to be like really, really attractive. I think that's it, Daphne or Devin in your case should be uh, conventionally attractive. Yeah, I think that's the big thing I was thinking as well, and potentially redheaded, which is tricky because I can't think of a lot of redheaded male actors. I initially, I I was going. My fan cast is late twenties early 30s Mm. um i was putting together a younger fan cast um and it made and like instantly like i had cast lily reinhardt who's betty on riverdale as um as fred Mm. or fran and i was just like oh i could just make kj appa or archie into uh into devon because he's redheaded and like really hot yeah actually i could see that that could work pretty well um, I thought it was a little easy. I didn't go that direction. Um, my original, my original pick for Devin, just to get it out of the way because I swapped him out, was Channing Tatum. Ooh, because Channing Tatum has real is really good looking. He's very attractive. But I, I gotta admit, I'm not. I don't think he's that attractive. Okay, well, that, his body's really nice. Anyway, um, he's so funny. He's very funny. No, I will give you that. I think. I, I never mind seeing Channing Tatum in a movie because even though I don't think he's as hot as the movie always wants to portray him as, he's every bit as funny as the movie is trying to present him as. Like, I'm so glad Channing Tatum has, like, really dived into, like, his comedic roles because he has, he's just a hilarious actor. Um, I actually went a little bit younger, uh, and, and you will be familiar with who this is, and talking about this, hopefully we'll get more people into it. Um... Mm-hmm. I picked Simu Liu from Kim's Convenience. Uh, so Simu Liu is is Zhang on Kim's Convenience. Kim, Kim's Convenience is a Canadian sitcom on the CBC about a Korean family who runs a convenience store. Uh, Zhang is really, I think he's really attractive. He's got one of not just the best bodies on television right okay, now. Okay, are you looking at his body right now? Yes, man. I mean, am I looking at my desktop background right now? Yeah. Just zoomed way into that navel and the crisscross of abs that emerge thereup. He's from, so cut, like it's ridiculous. He's super cut, 
in a way that's like perfectly proportioned. Like not like this dude has a formula for which part he works out every day. And like not just his body, but like he's good looking all over. I told you not more than a week ago that this dude fills out a pair of slacks like no other. <laughs> it's not it's not even a male good looking where you're like, oh his upper body's nice. No, his body is nice. Yeah, he's he's okay, so we've objectified him enough. I also think <laughs> I have not that- <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I think I think Simu Liu is really I also think he's very funny. I think he has those chops. I, I also want to see him play more of a silly person because he's the straight man a lot of the time on Kim's Convenience. And I think he has again, I think he has the chops, I think he has the capability to sort of like act outside of that. And Channing Tatum plays like such a goofy character, so maybe Simu maybe doesn't go all the way in that direction. But I I my first two picks I'm very happy with. So that's my Devon. That's my pick for Devon. Obviously not a redhead, but my last fan cast was 100% Asian, so here we are. Okay. I really like that. I think that's brilliant. I think you've got a better Devon than I do. Uh, my Daphne is going to be a Davey. Okay. That's just me. Um, have you ever seen the show Big Time Rush on Nickelodeon? I am familiar with the show Big Time Rush on Nickelodeon. I feel like this is a little obscure, but... So Big Time Rush, a live-action Nickelodeon series... Uh, that starts off with four Minnesotan hockey-playing high schoolers, um, like doing, like moving to Hollywood and becoming a, a four-man boy band. And I love that series. Watched every episode. I was heartbroken when it ended. The guy that plays the pretty boy on that series, uh, James David Maslow, I think would make a great Daphne. He's he's a little broad. He's pretty silly, but I think that could play really well as a male Daphne. Um, so if you search James Maslow in terms of Big Time Rush. If you search James David Maslow, one of the drop-downs is James David Maslow phone number. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I guess I gotta give props to people. Like, they know what, they're, what they want, and they're looking for it. He's, he's very conventionally attractive, right? Yeah, he's, he's conventionally attractive. And, and he's got, like, the shaggy hair that's, like, very pretty boy. Not it to me. It's not even attractive, but it's a pretty boy haircut. Um, I I just feel like he could do really well as Daphne. I've seen him in like three solid seasons of Big Time Rush, playing the uh, the good looking um, Daft character. And I I like that they don't take Daphne that direction, but I want to see him go that direction. Yeah, and and I think that's the thing that's really important about this fan cast is it makes this real and we're really thinking about what makes the original characters the original characters and how to adapt that while still keeping that spirit like if you looked at him would you think like oh like the way they're acting maybe not if the way they look specifically that's clearly the male version of of Daphne yes and uh and again I see him going more I I think he does self-absorbed in a really good way that's going to be really elevated in my version of of Davey um really but um, so I guess I, I really see him doing that here. Simu Liu, I think, is an amazing pick. Thank you. Thank you very much. I don't want to picture anyone else as Daphne. Frankly, I don't want to picture anyone else when I close my eyes. Listeners, please watch Kim's Convenience. If you're, uh, if you're Canadian, mm. you have literally no excuse. Just go to the CBC website. I'm um, going to actually hawk Kim's Convenience and Big Time Ru- Rush, which has ended a while ago in, in equal proportion, as well as DuckTales, which I can't stop thinking about. Can um, I, before we're at the yeah. midway point-ish, can I just uh, throw something out really quickly? Mm-hmm. Um, one person I considered for Fred, 
in a much older fan because I'm sort of doing like mid range fan cast right now. You know, oh, like yeah. late twenties, early thirties. You you had a lot of thoughts for age. I tried to put a bit more thought into age here, but I still didn't put that much. Um, I considered Amy Poehler for Fred. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting pick. And I I realize that everybody I've chosen has been like blonde and white and just like really like fitting the mold of what a female Fred would be. But I like Amy Poehler's energy and her enthusiasm. Yeah, and I want to say that. In a way that, unlike like some people, like we can't have a black Spider-Man or James Bond has to be white. Fred's whiteness is a central part of his character. I gotta say, this is mayo with legs, really. Uh, this this man is white bread. There's it's not even whole grain. So I, I don't blame you for that. I will say my fan cast this time around is very pale. Um, in a way, I'm not crazy about. I was so much trying to translate the appearance of each character over gender lines that uh, I, I had trouble also mixing race up in that and feeling like I was staying accurate or something. I don't know. I'm sexist and racist, I guess, is what I'm trying to, to say to everyone. I don't want there to be any fuzz on that, dear listeners. <laughs> okay. Um, it, you're, you're back up again, by the way. It's your turn. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. I've got to do... Uh, let me see. Are we doing Velma or Shaggy next? We're doing Velma. Velma. My Velma, as a male... This is the toughest one for me, actually, i got to say. Fred was challenging, but once I hit on Ellie Kemper and I allowed myself to reuse her, I felt safe. For Velma, for Velma, I just couldn't, I never quite felt content even when I landed on this. But the person that I settled on, I've only seen in two things, but I liked him in both, was Tony Revolori, who I initially saw... He was in Spider-Man, Homecoming. ...as Flash, and uh, in the Grand Budapest Hotel, the Wes Anderson movie, as Zero. Good, great in both of them. Um, kind of a shy... Um, character who's the butt of a lot of jokes but I I think he just played them both really well and I want to see him as the mousy smart kid and you know what you definitely I I like that you sort of kept Velma this like diminutive character that was the most challenging part Uh, I told you when we were chatting briefly last night that I was tempted to make Velma the most attractive because she's the most attractive to me on the show just like to pick Taryn Egerton or someone else who's physically flawless as a man and I went along with that, and I picked Toby Revolo- Tony Revolori, who's physically flawless. I think not conventionally you are, like, attractive. You're really roasting him right now, <laughs> which is not nice, especially because I, I I think he's so good. Um, I, I I think he'd make a great Velma. I really do. So um, um oh and uh, and Vilmer. Sorry, Vilmer. That's not a real name, is it? It no, but neither is. Revelori, come on, <laughs> please. Uh, no, it's not really. I couldn't think of a good male Velma. Uh, my my male Velma is Val, mm. uh, which is also a man's. Okay, that's hot. I I try to get the consonants in there. So one name I like bandied around was um, what, what was it? Vladimir, because <laughs> it has like all of the same letters more or less but it's like that is such a specific like vladimir you're throwing too many other consonants in there to make that a clean parallel vladimir is like wearing like a tracksuit and chains <laughs> that's not velma at all As also people don't call velma like vel like they do shag or fret like freddy she doesn't have a nickname does she velmster i think that's it velmster and that's just like a one specific that's like a one-off yeah i almost said velmo and had her played by Elmo. 
<laughs> I was very close to that, but I decided against it. Um, but who's who's your Val? So I'm actually really impressed that you found like a smaller man. And I will say that the two Vals that I had uh, first were like I thought about Masioka from Heroes. Mm. And here and but and I also thought about to sort of like fill out uh, having a Wong in every casting, Freddie Wong as Velma, because I think I I haven't seen Ma- Masioka in that many things. I think Freddie Wong is really funny. Um, but then I kind of thought that I didn't want mm. Val to be Asian. Really? I don't know. It just because felt... I, I thought of the same thing. It felt a little racist making like the smart person Asian, like especially when everyone else on my cast is white. And and also like it, it, like we didn't have any qualms about it last last fan cast. Both yeah. of our Velma, both of our Velmas were Asian last time. It just maybe that's like a sexist thing for me, where it's like, oh, women can be like nerdy Asians, but not men. Um, but I think I, I was just it seemed too easy. I think that was the thing. It just seemed too easy to do, uh, and I actually settled on, and he's not short or small. Hmm. I settled on Josh Peck from Drake and Josh. Ooh, good choice, my friend. Good choice. Good show. And he's he doesn't have he no longer has like that roundness of face that Velma sort of not not necessitates but that you connect with. But I I think I I, I see Scooby Doo first and foremost as a comedy. So I think it's really important that there be comedic actors, and I think that Josh Peck's funny. I think you nailed it, dude. Josh Peck is an amazing pick. Can I? Uh, and I think he's neither neither conventionally attractive nor unattractive by any means, especially now. And and that makes him a perfect Velma. Here's, here's something I do want to throw out. Sorry, I keep taking these little sidebars. No, I'm about to take one too, so go ahead. Here, here's an actor that I think you personally really missed last time we were doing these castings. Okay. For our traditional live-action fan cast. Mm. For your Daphne, did you ever consider... Sorry, for your Velma, did you ever consider uh, Olesia Rulin? Who are we talking about now? O- Olesia Rulin was Kelsey in High School Musical. Ooh, the pianist, right? Yeah, she played the piano, correct. Who, you you know I had a crazy big crush on watching High School Musical. Like, it was... I feel like you still do. Dude, come on. Come on, man, she might be listening, dude. When you say she, do you mean your uh, life partner who is in the room with you? No, F no. Oh, I bet she is a big Scooby-Doo fan, man. Oh, man, that's, that's so true because she played Mousy so well. Okay, what's what's the diversion that you wanted to take? I, I just wanted to say I came very close to uh, to wanting Velma to be particularly young, uh, drawing from a pup named Scooby Doo, where she's much younger than the rest of the cast, and also because that would account for the size. I also thought of making Velma Asian, um, just uh, more color in the cast, and uh, and because I love Fresh Off the Boat, and I wanted to make use of some of the talent on there, and so I thought of Ian Chen who um, plays not Emery, but... Uh, Evan? The youngest. I, I thought Emery was the youngest. Oh, no, you're right. It I... is Evan. Oh, because it's Eddie is the oldest. So, yeah, Evan, yeah. who's like the small, smart, conniving, somewhat evil one. Uh, and he's... I mean, like, he's a kid actor, so there's some... There's a slightly limited range there, but I feel like he could play a great Velma. Basically a straight man. Well, I think... He's really okay. The entire cast. This is an. We're throwing out a lot of wrecks this episode, but fresh off the boat is 
such a funny show with such a phenomenal cast. Yeah, and also, like, if we're doing fan casting, we have to compare... We have to talk about the source material, where we're getting these actors from. And everyone in Fresh Off the Boat is amazing. The kid actors are the, some of the best kid actors I've ever seen. I'm generally very against kid actors. Honestly, honestly bar none. Like, I... And I'm not just saying that, oh, because it's just, like, the Asian show, but, like, these kid actors, um, steal, like, like, they steal the spotlight. Especially Eddie's friends, like, who are all very tertiary, but each one of them... Eddie's friends are, they're, like, they have such distinct personalities. Who's the one who's, like, really small and horny all the time? (laughs) (laughs) He is the funniest to me. He's got like those sunken eyes and he's like so skinny. <laughs> I relate to him so much. <laughs> oh man. So I, I don't even I don't even remember his that, name. That's your choice for uh, for Velma? That that was my choice for Velma, but I, I ultimately went with um who did I ultimately go with? Um Oh yeah, uh Tony. Oh Tony Revolori, okay. Yeah, yeah, I think I, Tony Revolori ultimately, but Ian Chen easily could have been, and the kid that plays Emery, Forrest Wheeler, also could have easily been that person. I really, the fact that you do these like multi generational fan casts, I think is so fascinating. Like, I feel like it opens up so many interesting like narrative opportunities uh, that I am not interested in for some reason. I just, it's also that I don't have that many people in mind, so I have to just pull like out of a relatively limited pool that spreads a wide age range. Um, so that was my uh, Velma. I think it's on me again now to start Shaggy. Is that right? Uh, well, no, because you did you, you went first for Velma. You said Tony. Oh, yep. I said um, Josh Peck. So now it's my turn for Shaggy. Shaggy, I didn't change the name. <laughs> Is that bad? I, I suppose not. Shaggy doesn't sound like a very feminine name. But neither is it, is it necessarily masculine. It's just an adjective. Shaggy's an it's an adjective, and this was actually the first. Fa- this was the first of the casting. Like I started with this, um, I chose uh, I chose Jessica Williams. Um, so Jessica Williams is one half of two dope queens. She's a former correspondent on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. Oh, now I know her. Oh yeah, and I have not yet seen uh, her her Netflix movie Jessica James. But I really like her. I think, like, I listen to her podcast, and she's, like, really, really funny. And, yeah, she's she's my pick. I, I like her presence a lot. I think that's a good pick, man. I think she's very funny. I'll admit I've mostly seen her on The Daily Show, but she was among the funniest. And I don't find all of The Daily Show's correspondents very funny. <laughs> I'd say <laughs> the majority, some of whom have gone on to get their own TV shows, I do not find funny. Not naming names. Are you, you are you putting a, you're putting Larry Wilmore on a blast okay. right now? I was not thinking of Larry Wilmore, but yes. <laughs> Wait, is there another one who got a show? Uh, Samantha B got a show, man. Oh, I hear I hear her show's really good. I've seen bits of it. I'm not crazy about it, and I will say I want to love it because Pat Castles is a writer for it, and Pat Castles is my favorite college humor uh, alum. Oh, well, we we do we are it's it's now up to you. Um, I. I can see Jessica Williams like eating a sandwich. I can see her like being scared. I I th- I thought maybe it was kind of dicey because you have that stereotype, which I guess has some roots in truth. Um, because you'll you know like uh, that like black people are like scared of ghosts, like or like wowed by magic, and it's just like well like it, y- you might see 
evidence to this being the case. So I thought maybe like racially it might be a little dicey, but that's not a bad point. I mean, we did talk about Donald Glover as Shaggy last time. Um, again, I think an amazing choice. But I think the flip side of that is that being scared of these situations is a realistic response. And it's almost like, what the heck is up with these white people who don't realize the danger that they're in? You, you clearly grew up in a too safe suburb. You're right. That, there's a lot of comedy potential there. Uh, but I, I think there is. And not uh, tasteless, uh, as I typically I'm, am. I'm really when, looking forward to your Shaggy. The one thing that we discussed prior to recording about uh, Shaggy is that you thought, we don't want Shaggy to be gross. I, I, um, I believe the words I used, I'll quote myself, I, when I thought of female Shaggy, one of the things that came to mind was foul bachelorette frog. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think that's a, that's a sexist stereotype. Not saying you are, but, like, that idea that, like, uh, a lazy, a lazy um, kind of unshowered hippie is okay for a male to be, but not a female. Like, it's grosser or worse for a female to be that kind of, like, gluttonous, unkempt slob. Right. Um, and so I wanted to make Shaggy, like, not that. Then I was like, eh, never mind. I'm going to go with Lauren Lapkus anyway. Uh, <laughs> which is not to say that she is gross or that she can't play gross, but almost all of her characters are disgusting. Are you serious? Uh, yeah. I mean, I love that. I, I find her um, an incredible comedian. Um, but I feel like some of that's going to leak into Shaggy. I'm okay with it. The first thing I think of when I think of Lauren Lapkus is that one Key and Peele sketch with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And she played more of a straight character, a straight man on that, right? She did. Um, yeah. I feel like she plays two things. She has a great record of playing two things, a straight man and a vile, nasty, disgusting, weird character. Sidebar, Keegan-Michael Key would make an excellent Shaggy. Ooh, yeah, good point. And Jordan Peele, an amazing Scooby-Doo. <laughs> uh, we were just talking about them as a Timon yeah. and Pumbaa as well. So to um, all of our listeners, this is not my idea. I will present this to you, however... In the live-action Lion King, I guess it's live-action, it's like CGI, um, Timon yeah. and Pumbaa will be played by Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen, respectively, but which is not terrible. It's no, terrible not when you think that Key and Peele could have done it. Yeah, and could have done it infinitely better than anyone else out there. It's, it's maddening to me. That, it's like, kind of heartbreaking. Was it considered? And if it was considered, why didn't they just throw... M- why did they just throw money around until it happened? Put the entire budget into that. Uh, it's honestly, to me, the fact that they didn't put Key and Peele in those roles means we will now inevitably need another uh, Lion King before too long. This is uh, cracking the door wide open for another attempt. Anyways, My Shaggy is going to be Lauren Lapkus, who meets My Shaggy requirements of being tall and skinny. Easily. Um, I think she's got great comedic sensibilities. And again, although I think... Most of her characters are kind of like when I say, give me your money, I'm channeling Lauren Lapkus there. I truly am. That's my, that's the person who I'm copying. Um, I think she'd be an amazing scoot, uh, Shaggy. That's, that's a really, really good pick. Like that's a, that's a, I think that might be your, your best pick. Really? Yeah. Oh, thank you, man. So I guess that's our full cast with the exception of Scooby-Doo. If we have some additional thoughts there. So um, you would be the one to start with. Um, I kind of want to start, though, and just say that I actually refrained from changing Scooby-Doo to a, to a female dog. I just, I don't, I don't know. Is it, like, can we, can we, can we, um, dissect my sexism here? Is this, like... 
Yeah, absolutely, man. This is Scooby Dudes. If we can't talk about sexism here, where can we? Why why can't I imagine a Scooby Doo show where Scooby Doo isn't a male dog? I think for me, the big trip up was the voice. I couldn't imagine because I wasn't even trying to cast someone like a person to get on all fours and <laughs> trot around as Scooby Doo. I'm just imagining a female voice actor playing a female Scooby Doo, um, like a Scooby D or whatever have you. And it's right. hard to imagine someone. Rush up, Raggy! I don't even know what it should sound like. It's. I, I couldn't quite imagine what that was supposed to sound like, and that's really who Scooby is. And I was like, and I was like trying to think about like the dynamic between like Scooby and Shaggy, and it's like if if Shaggy is is a woman, I don't think the dynamic has changed at all. We we don't want Scooby. I I just can't. It's hard to see how we need to change Scooby to get there. For one thing, in Adventure Time, we used it as an example of a fantastic Rule sixty three. Jake the dog becomes Cake the cat. Do we keep Scooby as a dog when we flip Rule 63? Oh. That's my question. Let's take out who we're casting and just say, what is Scooby? Yeah, I guess it stands to reason that if all of the genders of all of the human characters were switched, why not the species of the pet? I think it's just really tough because, like, you would not have a cat just walking around. Like, you can have a dog walk around in almost any setting, but you can't really have that with a cat, I feel. And it, it will completely change who Scooby is, because Great Dane, that's like a kind of clumsy, oafish, lovable, sloppy, cartoony animal. A cat is sleek, it's reserved, it plays it safe, it's doing its own thing. It's the polar opposite. And the whole point of Rule 63 is that you swip genders without, making the, without changing the characters over much. Iwao Takamoto... Um... Apparently, uh, so Iwao Takamoto is the guy who, who, uh, like, he created the gang. Like, like he did all the art direction or whatever. Oh, I've seen his original sketches, and they look exactly like they're the gang so looks. They're so good. If anything, they're better than a lot of, like, Scooby-Doo stuff. Because the characters are popping with, like, personality. Um, like, the first sketch, if you, if you search, like, this guy's name, or just Scooby-Doo first sketch, you'll see a drawing of all of them. It's just so perfect. And, and one thing um, that I think is really interesting is that apparently Iwao Takamoto uh, spoke to a Great Dane breeder about like what Great Danes are like, because they had already settled on the animal. And Great Danes uh, have a lot of straight lines. Great Danes, like, they're very like large dogs, and they, they have like strong, uh, I guess, features across their bodies. Um, and Iwao Takamoto went the exact opposite direction, in that he made Scoob like slouch. And he made Scoob, like, curl. And he gave Scoob a lot of, like, soft lines. Um, yeah, a Great Dane, I mean, like, as big and floppy as they are, they, do, they, like, have amazing posture. Yeah, which is to say that, like, you were describing Great Danes as being, like, these, like, really um, goofy, almost clumsy dogs. When, in fact, Scooby, and I guess to a lesser extent Marmaduke, have created this idea that Great Danes are just, like, big goofballs. When it's, uh, that's probably not all based in reality. Probably I'm thinking more Bloodhound for that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to break down what possible animal could, could fit in unless we change the species of dog. And I don't want it to be like, oh, since, since Scoob is, is a, a female dog now. He's a poodle. He's a poodle, which is like terrible. I didn't want to do that either. I think that's... I hate that. That's, to me, sex more sexist than anything else we've discussed so far. 
I did think of changing Scooby into a Greyhound, or or another dog that's just like slightly smaller and more slight, um, but not not radically different like feminine. I, I guess that is more feminine. That's what I'm describing there. Um, but you know what I mean by like a Greyhound? I yeah, I ride their buses. Um, I, n- okay, no, you don't know what I mean. <laughs> they have the, no, they have like their logo on the side. Like yeah, I, okay, I, yeah. Um, so we, like it's a sprinting dog, but the, those dogs tend to be very nervous and they tend to be kind of shy. Here's the thing, which could be true with Scooby Doo. I feel like that. I feel like that's the opposite of what you want, because I think the thing about Scooby Doo is that um is that Great Danes are these big massive dogs, but you show one that's cowardly, that's funny. So I would say I would say that my Scooby D would be like a Rottweiler. You know what? I love the idea of a female Rottweiler. I think that's great. I think that would really work. I think we found it, to be frank. Yeah. Like, I was tempted to say Pitbull, but I think Rottweiler is it is a little more lovable. And I, I will say this. I said this a lot the last time we did our fan cast, that I was going to Photoshop together you, your cast and my cast, respectively, to show what they would look like. I like Photoshop. And you, you saw it. And you did, yeah. Um, what sucks so much is that there's literally all due respect to all of the artists who have attempted there's literally no good drawing anywhere online of a good rule 63 mystery ink which which is flabbergasting which is like incredible to me this is all so bad it's all so bad so luke i will have to draw a rule 63 gang i i mean it's live action so you don't have to you can just put their you're photoshopping their faces on right yeah yeah, but I don't want to Photoshop like like m- women's heads onto male bodies. <laughs> that does make it more complicated. Mm, that's tough. These are all really bad. They're horrible. They're there's oh, they're so bad. And I thought that Tumblr would like do me a solid. Look, um, to all of our listeners who are artists out there, if you want to draw up a good solid rendition of uh, Rule sixty three Mystery Inc. Send, please send it to us, and we'll look. We'll tweet it. We'll tweet about it. We'll put it on Facebook. We'll put it on our website if you'll let us, um, because I I need to see better representation in this very niche category. Yeah. Oh, actually, you know what? I did find a perfect rule sixty three. How? Took a little bit of digging. Dare you? <laughs> Isn't Scooby perfect? Make me look at this with my own two eyes. Oh, this is so terrible. Like, there's only... I can only even find one image that's a genuine Rule 63. (laughs) And it's so bad. I hate everything about this, and I'm still staring at it. Me too. Uh, One of the worst things... Maybe the worst thing about it is that all four of the human gang members are facing the same direction. (laughs) And Scooby's the opposite. Like, it looks so wrong. It has no sense of, like, balance. Also, I don't understand why they made... Fran? Sorry, Val. Val, the male Velma? Or sorry, the male Daphne? Devin? I don't know why they made the male Daphne so effeminate. So effet. Yeah. To the point where it looks... Honestly, this picture just looks like four women. It really does. Um, Shaggy is the definition of an unwashed hippie. Uh, I will say they they didn't... I will do do my darndest to do better than this. I don't think you have to try your darndest to do better than this, man. I think you're okay. <laughs> Minimum effort. You're solid, dude. Oh, man. 
Rule 63 is a great question. Got to throw some credit back to Gordon for uh, giving that brilliant idea to us. Uh, and, and yeah, it honestly, there's so much to discuss. And, and like, the way that men and women are, like, depicted in media is a rabbit hole that we could go down for a while. And it's, it's, I think it's all worth discussing. So thank you very much, Gordon, for that question. I think we had some great thoughts on that. I, uh, I look forward to our next fan cast because that's certainly not going to be our last. Yeah, if you, like, listeners, if you have any other ideas for different fan casts, please let us know. Um, if you're looking for an all-Asian fan cast, I've taken care of that already. Yeah, we're solid on actually. that um, But there, I, I, there are different, you know, if you wanted to do, like, a fan cast of, like, over 40 or something. Yeah, or like a, a fan cast of under 20. Yeah, if like, or, or even, like, kids or like tweet like you know like a stranger things-esque yeah, like basically a pup named scooby-doo fan cast we were um, a cartoon fan cast where it's a different cartoon character who's now playing we're this. open to all of this just let us know just ask us we'll do it we have a great time doing it yeah. it's so much fun i came really close to saying daphne and velma we're gonna be you and me um in this gender swap and of course that would mean you I would be Daphne because Daphne is conventionally attractive. And <laughs> you would be Velma because Velma is more attractive to me. Uh, uh, so many possibilities. You know what? Our college friend Ben, Ben Clark, oh, could be... A great Rule 63 Daphne. He'd be a fantastic Rule 63 Daphne. Yeah. Our next fan cast is just us casting our personal friends... Who you as an audience do not and will not know. <laughs> yeah, that photoshopped together picture, no one will appreciate, including the people depicted. Oh man. That's a that was a great friend interrogation. Friend interrogation, thank you for visiting. Um Oh, um, so sorry. One of our traditions for I just realized this just now, so I am also not ready at all. One of our friend interrogation um traditions is that you and I ask each other a question. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, you know what? I do have a question I wanted to ask you that's not Scooby-Doo related. Is that okay? Perfect. Because I have nothing for you, and I am thinking about it right now. Okay, so my, my question for you, I, it's a pretty generic, not a bad get-to-know-you question, but I'm curious because I don't know if I've ever asked you this. If you could be really good at something, what would you want to be really good at? And I'm thinking of it because I want you to be really good at something. I want to give you that chance to let you imagine what that would be like. So... Well, no, I I'm kidding. If you finding could... finding a better podcast co-host, <laughs> man, I I wish you were better at that too, man. I do. <laughs> oh, but if you could, yeah, just like suddenly have not only a talent but a skill, what would you want to hey, just suddenly have? This may this may seem like too on the nose, but I think writing. Yeah, I think I would be just like really really good at writing. I think that's a fantastic skill to have. And what's I'd... what's yours? Just like do you have an answer to your own question? I do, and it, it kind of surprised me when I thought about it. But I actually wish I was really good at drawing. I I wish. Oh. I because uh, I I like a lot of the art that I do. I haven't done much lately, but it's an extremely painstaking process for me, and one which with in which I'm perpetually dissatisfied with myself, and I have a hard time picturing and translating what I want in my head onto paper and really defining the space as I want to. And I desperately wish I could tell stories with art um, at, to a better degree than I'm capable of right now. Largely, that would be amount of, a matter of working and developing the skills and concentrating effort. And I don't want to do that. So 
I would just have that skill if I could. Art was another one that I did consider very highly. I actually have a question that I think would be a lot of fun for both of us. Okay, please, fire away. So my question is, you, you talked about DuckTales a little bit this episode, and also in our personal life. Yeah, um, and Empty Sam will attest that for the past several weeks, I've just been like, occasionally we'll just be sitting together and I'll put my hand on her knee and just look at her and say, DuckTales. And then I'll get up and do a little dance, or I'll just start singing the theme song. I love this new series. Um... <laughs> What were you saying? So my my question is, if you could have ducktails, but have them be anthropomorphic any other animal, what would it be? Ooh, that's that's interesting. I was just thinking the other day, like how interesting it is that they're ducks and it works perfectly. Like I don't think about the fact that they're ducks at all. Also, please realize that the name of the show would have to change. Um, I think they would be deer. It would be bucktails. You, wait, is that like your actual answer? No, probably not, because they need to be two-legged. They need to be bipedal, right? Sure. I, I mean, I don't think that's nece- that's necessary, but sure. It's going to take me a minute to think about it. Do you have a ready answer for this? I wanted to do, like, wom- wombats or, like, capybaras. <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I w- <laughs> That's so ridiculous. I wanted them to be like these little like like rodents. Oh my gosh. I think they would still be cute. And I just I like the idea of like a Scrooge McDuck, but he's like a Scrooge Mc uh like wombat or something. I think the the downside there is that the positive thing I'm only realizing now is an asset to DuckTales is that everyone looks so clean and neat and harmless and you lose that. You sacrifice that on an altar when you make them rodents. <laughs> As you said, okay. vermin, you could say. <laughs> Capybara are rodents, but wombats are marsupials. Okay, yeah, true enough. Um, and wombats are proportionally more <laughs> duck-sized, so you could have them going about everyday life. Doing, like, a rat or something like that, you then have to scale down everything, I think. You can't have them walking around in a human-sized city. I don't think you have to scale anything down. I mean, um, Launchpad McQuack is a duck, and he's enormous. That's true, he's giant. I, I think the one downside to my wanting, like, a small, like, furry animal to be the duck in DuckTales mm-hmm. is that it doesn't have a good... It's not a one-syllable name. So blank tails, like, it doesn't work. That's my issue, is that everything that works, uh, just from a title perspective, doesn't seem to work from a, uh, from a show itself. Like, Bucktails, I don't want to see deer doing all this stuff. Dogtails, yeah, it's not really going to work for me. Dog, Dogtails, um, I feel like, is the laziest possible answer. That and chickens. Like, if you made them chickens and made it Clucktails. And also, what do the Beagle Boys become? The Duck Boys? Yeah, they do. They become, like, the Mallard Men or something. <laughs> Oh, this is... I'm sorry I don't have a better answer right off the top of my head for you. Because my thinking is they need to be bipedal. They need to look very clean and neat. uh, And to that degree, innocent. Um, Cats and dogs, neither of those quite work. The great thing about ducktails is that it's a new kind of animal or species. Then is typically anthropomorphized. I also, I also like iguanas. You can take that if you want. I was going to go something reptilian, like salamander tails or something. I think if you pick salamanders, you could still have that like clean character design. I think you could. Uh, but that, duck tails, part of the fun is like, 
Donald Duck gets really angry and he starts throwing a temper tantrum and all these feathers start flying around. So like it looks, it makes sense to see that a duck do that, right? All right, you're you're the only one holding us up now. Okay, 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 okay. Otter tails. Oh yeah, otters would be would be fun. I think that's fun. They're slick. They're cool. They're adorable. I love to watch them. I uh, they're they're bipedal as much as they need to be. <laughs> you know that um. I really want to Photoshop that one image. You know that otter who has like that disgusted look on his face? Yeah. <laughs> I really want to give him like a monocle and a top hat. <laughs> and then that caption, peasants. <laughs> you know what? I think I will put that into this episode, into the special page uh, that I'm hmm. uh, creating for this episode. I think we've really covered everything uh, very thoroughly. Sorry to hold up that last question a little bit, but it was a good one. Uh, and that's it. Uh, I, stay, stay tuned for the outro, I guess. Yeah, lates. All right, so, uh, so many questions, so many answers. Oh, so many fan casts. As, as we said in that last episode, if you have any other questions, uh, send them our way. And you can send them our way through this myriad of, uh, of different methods of communication. Yes, let's let's get out all of our social media presences. These are the ways you can ask us questions or interact with us literally however you want. You know what? Feel free feel free to uh to handle this Jeopardy style. You provide us with the answers, we'll provide the questions. We should do that for our next Q&A. We should do an, an A and Q, Q episode. episode. Yes. Yes. I love it. Oh, uh, next episode, uh next special episode is going to be an A and Q. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> um, but genuinely, send us your Q's, send us your A's uh, via the following social media sites and our location on those. Uh, for starters, hit us up on Twitter. We are the Scooby Dudes at the Scooby Dudes on Twitter. Yeah, find us on Facebook. We're on Facebook. It's Facebook.com/slash Scooby Dudes. Um, there are other ways. Yeah, you can always shoot us an email. We're Scooby Dudes Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we love getting your emails, even if you just want to say, "Hey, what up." Wouldn't it be nice to get a hey, what up back from the Scooby Dudes? Uh, lastly, um, you can send us an email at scoobydudespodcast at gmail.com. Or... That's literally what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell if you're making fun of me or if I cut out for all of that. No, I just wasn't paying attention. Okay. <laughs> then, right. lastly, lastly, you can hit us up on Facebook. Facebook.com. We are the Scooby Dudes. Okay, are you joking? <laughs> there, did that round it out? All right, Luke, just let me tell them that they can email us. Okay, Scooby Dudes Podcast at gmail.com. Okay, but first, Evan, let me ask you what's your sclera color? Can you answer that for me this time? That's what we really need to cover. We haven't done that yet. Oh my gosh. Okay, um, let me see. Twitter, Facebook, email, we've covered those. You, the thing is that you can email us through our website. Uh, there is a page. True. Uh, and the, the website is scoobydudes at gmail.com. <laughs> you, you, I couldn't tell if you were trying to save yourself. No. The, web, the website scoobydudes.com. We did lock down that domain. And really, that's the best portal to find us on. You can check out, check out show notes, corrections, screenshots with funny captions, original title card art. It's probably the coolest thing about our podcast. We have original art for every single episode. And up until lately, it's been amazing. Uh, are you saying up until lately because I drew the last one? I just haven't looked at the latest one, so I don't know. 
I mean, I, I, I've looked at like the first row of pixels before scrolling down to see more, and I'm out. Just, I can tell. Okay. Um, Actually, no, the, the title card art is as good as it's ever... It's, the title card art is as good as it's ever been and better because Evan has done our last several title cards. Please go check that out at ScoobyDudes.com. Uh, for this particular week, if you go to the website, you will be able to listen to this... Well, I guess if you're listening to this episode, you're listening to this episode, but... Please go to our website and listen to this episode. That's how we'd really love you to follow up on this. Uh, but I have also drawn some Scooby fan art, Rule 63, um, and I have also photoshopped our respective casts onto those bodies... Uh, so you can see all of that for yourselves. You do not have to dip into IMDb. I give you mad props for this because I think this is the most challenging art that we've had to produce yet, and you've chosen to undertake that yourself. Everyone, give Evan the mad props he deserves for that by visiting us at ScoobyDudes.com. Send us an email uh, at our email address. Figure it out. Um, and Twitter, Facebook, Patreon. We would love it if you would visit us there. Patreon.com slash ScoobyDudes. Yeah, Patreon um, is a place where we do provide content uh, and that we will be providing more of. Uh, and yes. all of that, all of those donations at this point in time go directly to our artists who we believe deserve every dime, every penny. If you would like to be an artist for our podcast, hit us up through any of the, uh, the methods that we've already listed out because we, we would love to, to have you. Yeah, we'd love to get a look at your style and to translate that style into our, our podcast. If you don't think you're a very good artist, we think you're good. Come on, show us your art. We'd love to have you on, uh, no matter how bad you feel it is, and everyone tells you it is, and how bad you flunked out of art school. If if you donate, artists aside, I mean artists, not not a side aside. You're still close to us, but even closer to us. Oh, the are closest our to us. Our patrons are our dearest, dearest friends and listeners. And not only will you get this extra content by donating to us on Patreon, not only will you get our eternal, undying gratitude for so long as you donate, but you will also get a shout-out. Both the first time you donate, you'll get a great spotlight, and every week after that, your name will be spoken on our podcast. Here are those names right now. Outside of that, the only other thing we'd love for you to do, aside from telling all of your friends about this, is telling all of the internet about this is telling all of the internet about this by visiting us on iTunes and writing us a five-star review. So the thing about iTunes reviews is I have promised to read every single five-star review that we ever get. Uh, the same is true today. Um, I, for some reason, feel like mm -hmm. iTunes redates these reviews. And I'm not 100% sure that I've read this before or not. I'm going to read it again. Just because I listened to the past few episodes and could see no evidence of it, and that this was left on October 10th of 2017. Yeah, it's five days after that, but if they're redating episodes, I don't know. Um, who is this review from? So, this review is from MD Nick with an E at the end of it. So, MD Nick 2. Hmm. So, MD Nick 2 has left us a five star review, and the review is titled Fantastic Scooby Doo Podcast. Nice. Okay, are you ready for this? Because this is, this is some of the highest praise that we've received. I, I'm probably not ready for it, but lay it on me, brother. I have listened to a number of Scooby podcasts, and Scooby Dudes is by far the best. It is a witty, funny, and insightful podcast. I love that they do not just cover the original series, but instead jump around and discuss episodes from all the iterations of Scooby-Doo. If you are looking for a Scooby podcast, you can't go wrong with Scooby Dudes. Wow. 
that is that's the highest praise I think we can get. Aside from Sam Wade's review that she wrote for us, which is just an excellent piece of writing in general, that's the best. Yeah, we look at MD Nick Two. We really, really appreciate you leaving us that review. Uh, thank you so much for your kind words. Thank you indeed. I mean, it's it's the truth. Uh, it would have been dishonest of you to write anything else, but it means a lot to me that you got on the computer and you put that truth out there, speaking truth to power, and Evan and I are power embodied, power with legs, so thank you, Nick, for honestly describing how awesome we are. Any thoughts? Any, anything else? Any other five-star iTunes reviews I can act entitled to? No, no, you, you just described us as, uh, as the, embo- yeah. the collective embodiment of power, mm. so uh, yeah. You sure did do that. <laughs> that is a, a very generous review. I appreciate that. That really uh, makes me feel like we're doing good work here. And uh, that's everywhere that you can find us, everywhere you can follow up with us. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you girls for listening. If you're LGBTQ, we're your Scooby Dudes, and we'll be with you again next week. Just like we will be here every... We've, we've, I've done this bit already, but every week. Every week. We'll be here for you, because we're the Scooby Dudes. Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Wow. It's been a while since you've left me hanging <laughs> this far out on the limb. It's been a, far, a while since I crawled out on the limb this thin. Still nothing. <laughs> well, I can only assume... I know you haven't cut out, Evan, because you're moving around. You're not staying still or quiet enough to pose as a glitch. I can ride my bike with no handlebars. Okay, you'd better not leave this part in. Mm-hmm.